professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm Mike Kong. And I am Shocktastic Shane. Welcome to episode 98, Clash of the Champions 24. Where 24 champions clash. Oh, yeah. No. That's the tagline. <laughs> tagline redacted. I mean, there might be that many champions in the WCW <laughs> this time. They got so many belts. Do they? I mean, they got at least five of them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, and for a while there, I don't know if it's still going on, but you had the multiple tag team championships. Oh, you yeah. It's like the six-man tag team, the U.S. tag team, the, the world. world and NWA. It's yeah. like, oh, yeah, they just took, it seemed like they've been taking their time to unify them, and I honestly don't know if they're unified at this point or That's not. right, and then you've got the WCW, the NWA, the U.S., the TV... You get a belt. I feel like there's... You get a belt. Am I missing one? A belt for you. Uh, World Championship, (laughs) NWA World Championship, NWA and WCW Tag Team Championship, Television Championship, US Championship. Yeah, that's all of them. Damn. NWCW at this time. I'm pretty sure that we're not going to see all of them represented here. But this is the 24th Clash of the Champions, produced by WCW. It would take place on August 18th, 1993 at the Ocean Center in Daytona Beach, Florida. Daytona. With an attendance of 8,903 people. That's actually a pretty good turnout for like, Why are WCW they not running a pay-per-view? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's like Clash. I guess uh, Daytona was starved, starved of wrestling at this point in time. I mean, it's the old Florida territory that... Dusty used to run, basically. Yeah, and we will see Dusty, but not in ring. Maybe he called up all his pals. Maybe he did a Mellow Yellow commercial about it. If you've ever seen those, uh, you should... Haven't seen those, you should look them up. He did Mellow Yellow commercials? Yeah, there's some Dusty Rhodes Mellow Yellow commercials. <laughs> that are, there's at least a couple of them on YouTube, but yeah, they're pretty great. But we're in Florida, and this is the first time we've been in Florida since you joined us, Shane? No. We have been there once... At least once. I remember we were there for WrestleMania. Okay. Eight, okay. I remember right. Not Daytona though, right? Not Daytona. No. Yeah. yeah, this is. Uh, I think last time I brought mimosas. I can't remember if we've been there again where we had food or not, but obviously it wasn't memorable if we were. So <laughs> yeah, we are back in Florida. First time in Daytona that I, at least I'm a part of. So I went on my little deep dive on the uh, the interwebs and try to figure out foods that are popular in Florida. What is the sandwich? What is the favorite flavor of ice cream? I didn't actually look for that one. I was just trying to think of something last second, and I said something stupid instead. (laughs) Yeah, so I looked up the uh, sandwich, and apparently, specifically in Daytona, the popular sandwich, or one of the most popular, is the cod Reuben. Um, Very much like your traditional Reuben, except for instead of... Corned beef. We have uh, some corned cod, battered and fried cod. But yeah, it has all the the traditional Reuben deliciousness deliciousness to it. Thousand Island dressing, sauerkraut, 
didn't have Swiss cheese on this one, but uh, we added a, a little substitution. And then it's all on toasted rye with a, a nice little Scheinerbach beer yeah, battered coffee. fish. I went to my friends over at Republic Gastropub right here in Oklahoma City and said, hey, hook me up. And I got a yes in my text message reply from the uh, the GM there. So uh, I was excited because I've never had one of these before. And Yeah, a combination I would have not ever thought of, yeah. but spoiler alert, I already, I already ate mine. Yes. Pretty pretty good little idea. Daytona. I've only had one bite so far, and I've been waiting for us to start talking so I can do what I love to do and make a little crunchy, Eat delicious on noise on the mic. So, uh, yeah, here we go. It's good. It's real good. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things where, like, I would order it, but I don't know if I would go out of my way to make it at home. Kind of like a Reuben. It's like, I'll order a Reuben. Yeah. I don't think I've ever made a Reuben at home, and not because it's difficult. It just doesn't seem like the kind of thing... That I want to eat like three days in a row. Yeah, now if it was a a special occasion, you know, hell, something like Clash of the Champions, even oh, yeah. where you know, gonna Clash have a twenty-four group 24 of friends around, create something unusual for the uh, occasion that you've never tried before. Why not go for a, a fish sandwich? The sandwich is almost like a perfect stranger combination. Oh my gosh! Ooh, and speaking. Of perfect strangers, a couple days prior to Clash of the Champions, it would come to an end after eight seasons. Love that show. Never seen an episode. Oh, you're missing out. It just it amazes me that you haven't ever seen at least an episode of Perfect Strangers. I, I mean, the theme song alone. I watched a lot of Nicky Knight as a kid on the wings of my dreams in the '80s, and I don't think, or like in the early in the '90s, and all the way up through high school, I watched a lot of Nick at Knight, and uh, I guess it just never made it to made it to Nick at Knight. It did. It just. I mean, it wasn't like the number one rated show or anything like that on on ABC. It was part of. TGIF, part of the original TGIF. Oh, really? TGIF. I think it got moved to Fridays like four seasons in, I believe. Four or five seasons in. Was it? Because I remember Family Matters and uh, all Step by Step and Full House very well. I was a big TGIF kid, but I'm just a little bit younger than you guys, and I think that's why I missed it. Family Matters was a spinoff of Perfect Strangers as Harriet was the elevator operator in their apartment building. Oh, okay. So she was yeah. a character of first on Perpetrators. the uh, mother, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah she's Mrs. great. Winslow. Love her. Carl Winslow showed up as well uh, like oh, a really? couple times, and then they spun them off into, into Family Matters. Awesomeness. And in the sh- and Family Matters, maybe I just don't remember the first season. I don't really feel like it was actually ever about Carl and Harriet. I mean, they were... The first season it was because Steve Urkel was only supposed to be just like a one episode. He was, he was supposed to be your like Kimmy Gibbler, right? Where he just comes in? Kind of, but, but I don't even think he was supposed to be as much of a an impact or as, you know, her, as like, a, a yeah. player as Kimmy Gibbler was. I think he was only supposed to be there for like an episode or two. And but he's a star. Yeah, it became Urkel from there. Yeah, when I was a kid, um, I was the asshole kid that anytime somebody called the show Urkel, I corrected them. <laughs> that's the kind of piece of shit I am. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, the show, it's not called Urkel. You should definitely but Urkel, watch I mean, there's a reason strangers. people called the show Urkel. Because yeah, he's, cousin he's the Larry, main event. Cousin Balky. I mean, it's... Maybe I'll hit Perfect Strangers in a few years when I can't I finish remember if he years. actually won an Emmy for playing Balky. I know he'd been I nominated so. for stuff, but... I so. 
I've, I've also found that Louis Anderson. Who I love. I'm a huge Louis Anderson fan. He was originally hired to be Larry. Yeah, it would not for They didn't want to spend the extra money on the suits? I don't, I, I don't see it lasting for eight seasons back in the, the 80s with Louis Anderson. Why yeah. not? That was when Louis Anderson was... I think was, Louis, was, Louis Anderson was a bigger name than... Yeah. I can't even think of what his name is right now that played Larry. Oh, why'd you have to do that? <laughs> <laughs> but because the guy who played Larry, like, like literally, I don't know of what he ever did other he, than Perfect Strangers. He worked at the comedy store or something like that. Did a, did a, did Carson and then got a sitcom like all comedians. So, I mean, maybe it worked out better for both of them because yeah. Louis Anderson. I love Louis Anderson. Went on to do many other things, yeah. and his comedy is. Love. Mark Lynn Baker. Yeah, people. Louis Anderson's clean, but there's and I can see why people would not care for him. But I just find him so damn charming, and I love him. Plus, I never finished Baskets, but him playing Zach Galifianakis' mom on Baskets, Baskets so was incredible. Good. Yeah, so good. he was like, like stealing, stealing the show. On a show is is great. Back then, you don't think he would have acted? He wasn't the right. I, I mean, obviously, I don't think he would have been the right voice for that. He wouldn't have been the right voice. He wouldn't have been the right. Just anything character all around to be cousin Larry yeah. the way that I just need him to Larry tell like betrayed. the clean versions of growing up with an alcoholic abusive dad and turning into comedy that warms my heart because <laughs> <laughs> most people would take that in a much darker way than he ended up using a lot of that material. Let's see, so, cousin Larry. Did, he, did he do anything else? Mark Lynn Baker is his name. I'm trying to find when the show actually started. It would have been an episode of Moonlighting. Yeah, that's how he got the job, was that the episode. he impressed the producers from his his appearance on Moonlighting. I've never seen Moonlighting either, but it's one of those things. I'm just a little bit younger, but I uh, know that it's Bruce Willis and uh, the really pretty girl. Oddly that's enough, he did a, an episode of Family Matters, but he wasn't Larry Appleton. He was somebody named Mr. Benner. <laughs> <laughs> That yeah, after that, he's done lots of single appearances and Ally McBeal, Spin City. He had a couple episodes of Hanging with Mr. Cooper. He's a bit part boy. Yeah. Kind of seems that way. Nothing Law wrong with order. that. And, and, and most people would uh, love that kind of career. Yeah, do, a, do a show that's moderately successful and then do bit parts into your 60s and retire. Nine episodes of Blue Bloods. Let's see if anybody at Clash of the Champions are bit time players. <laughs> I can probably name one or two. We get narration over photos of the participants in it, matches tonight. Oh, and it looks—it's very Trapper Keeper, yes. like the like the animations and yeah. all that. I was like, the first thing that popped in my head was like, this looks like a Trapper Keeper in the best way. <laughs> and then the logo for Clash of the Champions comes on the screen. Tony Schiavone and Jesse the Body Ventura welcome us to the show. I like Jesse's uh, Jimi Hendrix all over print t-shirt. They tell us that flying Brian Pillman is injured and he will not be able to compete Is tonight. Brian ever not injured? He legitimately got injured the weekend before the show. I feel like he's been legitimately injured a, like two key times in his career so far. And outside of Bill Watts like being enough with these little guys, like I feel like that... Pillman's still over, but I feel like it is kind of wavered because of it. We then go to pre-recorded comments where Pillman has his ankle wrapped 
and he apologizes to the fans that he won't be able to compete. Austin then takes over, saying, Sorry, Arn and Roma. Guess we will have to do this some other time. But then we go back to Tony, and he tells us that WCW management has told the Blondes that they have to defend the belt tonight. So they're bringing in someone new <gasps> to help Austin. Bum, bum, bum. Dick's making him wrestle or making them defend when yeah. half of the team is legitimately injured. So they get for being heels. Or another reason, which we'll talk about later. <laughs> okay. So our first match, the horsemen of the Enforcer, Arn Anderson and pretty Paul Roma versus stunning Steve Austin and Lord Steven Regal. I mean, I'm not mad at that at no, all. No, not at all. Steven Regal's a real good shithead replacement for the shithead that Pillman has been. With Flying Brian Pillman and Sir William at ringside for the WCW and NWA World Tag Team Championships. Four belts on the line. That's a strap. <laughs> strap. strap on, strap on, strap on, strap. Uh-huh. So Stunning Steve hits a clothesline, snapmare, elbow drop to get us going on Anderson. Staying on the attack until Arn catapults Austin over the ropes into the apron. Steve charges back in, only to receive a back body drop to the floor. And Jesse wants a DQ, but the ref was distracted by Regal. Did you guys see Brian Pillman's little sandal? Just him wearing sandals, I yeah. thought was hilarious. One sandal <laughs> on one foot, one cast on the other. The enforcer is dragged outside, but Anderson hits Austin with some hard rights and lefts. Back in the ring, Lord Steven and Roma take over. Pretty Paul's firing away with right hands, hits a body slam and a drop kick. But Regal recovers to toss Roma to the ropes, where Stunning Steve knees him in the back to turn the tide. Boo. Austin's in to continue the attack with a back elbow, vertical suplex, begins to choke Paul on the ropes. And as the ref backs Steve away, Pillman joins in with chokes of his own. Ah, oh, rascal. Hey. They, they, they made this happen. <laughs> you forced this on us. That's right. Regal sends Roma to the ropes, telegraphing a back body drop. So Pretty Paul goes for a sunset flip, only for Lord Steven to just sit on him, followed by a somersault senton and a gut-wrench suplex for a two-count. How about that somersault senton, guys? Never knew Englishmen could fly. Yeah, I know. I thought he was a catch-only. Tanya, Regal... Regal back in the day was the shit. Yeah, like that senton was a thing of beauty. Stunning Steve goes for a turnbuckle smash, but Roma blocks and reverses. Fires up with right hands, only for Austin to go low with a knee to regain control. Steve follows with a second rope elbow drop. Regal with an Irish whip charging in with a shoulder block and a knee drop. The Enforcer's then chasing Sir William on the outside, so the ref goes to get him back to his corner, while Pretty Paul reverses a body slam into an inside cradle for only a two count. Austin's backing away from Roma to receive a big left hand from Anderson, followed by Roma hitting a stun gun, crawling to the corner, and makes the tag. But the ref was distracted by Regal jumping in the ring. Lord Stephen with the European uppercut, Irish Whippin charges in, only for Paul to leap up and take Regal over into a pinning predicament for a two-count. Roma then delivers an enziguri to Lord Stephen and makes the crawl for the... Hot tag! Arn's cleaning house with a back body drop, back elbow, goes for a DDT on Austin, 
but Lord Stephen hits the enforcer to break it up. Pretty Paul takes Regal out to the floor, and both Sir William and Pillman get on the apron. The ref is trying to get Brian down, while Stunning Steve goes to toss Anderson into Sir William with the crutch in hand. But Arn reverses, so Austin takes the blow. Oh my god. The enforcer then rolls up Steve for the pin, and the win. And new! What? Horsemen of Champions. I mean, Horsemen of Champions, but... I mean, if you're going to swap it, you swap it when the partner is injured. Yeah. They can come back later. Like, Regal's not going to be the new blonde. So, you know, put it on put it on the horsemen. Let the heels have it. You know that they, you know they'll take care of it. How great would that be to have him as the third Hollywood blonde? <laughs> <laughs> so, if you remember the last time we were in WCW land, I mentioned the Disney MGM tapings. Where they filmed a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. This was the downside of those tapings. Bischoff held off the title change at Beach Blast. Even though, you know, they had filmed stuff with the Horsemen being champions. So Pillman goes and gets injured. Yeah. Well, they can't just hold off the match until he's healed. Yeah. They, They have to do the title change because they have no more footage of the Blondes as champions. So they had to insert Regal into this match, but I think that to it make the works pretty well because it also gives a good a good reason for them to lose because like well I, well why well why well, Regal is good here it's still a new team so you have like that out that would be great except for this is the last time that the Hollywood Blondes were a thing really as Austin I, and Flying Brian go their separate ways. Oh my god. And they're never a team and never team up again. I that's crazy. I thought that the Hollywood Blondes lasted quite a bit longer than this. No, it felt like they flash did, in the pan. Like in real time back then it felt like they, you know, looking, looking back on it now it feels like they were together for a whole lot longer. Yeah, and know. it's like legitimately like 12 months. If that. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking more like I mean cuz they I think <laughs> we've seen like a couple of matches and the first one they were not the blondes yet they like they like we recently just saw them start to do the camera thing and like really like click and now it's all over and yeah. that bums me out but it's okay because it's gonna have to be we then go to the stage and eric is there with the horseman roma says people call me the weak link but these guys believed in me and arn says they had the last bit of change but we adapted and now you have to call us champs hell yeah a solid promo here. I like that Paul Roma is like, fuck you, I am a horseman. Because he's good. He's not a horseman, though. He is. I'm sorry. In name, he is. I think that he fits. It's not maybe what we all want, yeah, I but I think that he gets a bad, when bad, joined, but... bad rap. I think he gets a bad rap. What is there to complain about? He's good in the ring. He's got a good look. That is Paul Roma? That's what you're complaining about? Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm pro-Paul. Sorry, pretty Paul. Y'all are too harsh. Hey, I'm, I'm closer to being a, a grumpy old man than you are, so <laughs> I'll, I'll be that guy today. Mm. I, I don't have Eric Watts to complain about yet, so... Don't even compare the two. <laughs> Not fair. So we're headed to our second match. Beautiful Bobby Eaton versus Two Cold Scorpio. Say what? Now, this is the match that Regal was actually supposed to face Scorpio in this match, but when Regal got moved to the tag oh, match... Oh, wow. Beautiful Bobby got the call. Beautiful Bobby, pretty good substitution. He's definitely, 
He's definitely not Eric Watts. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I, yeah, Bobby Eaton versus Two Gold Scorpio. When they said that, I was immediately excited because who's like... But then it makes me wonder now, with Bobby Eaton being such a tag team championship wrestler, what if they put him... And he's blonde. With the... And yeah. he was in a faction with Austin at one point. Yeah, and Just the previous yeah. year. He has been a heel. That's right. It makes too much sense. Yeah. I forgot. Well, maybe they... Didn't want... Maybe Austin and him didn't get along. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? I don't or, know. Or Pillman said, fuck him. He's not taking my spot. So, bring in the Brit. Exactly. <laughs> Tony tells us there's a contest for a new Camaro Z28 going on later in the show. Ooh. I wonder how real that is. I mean, we're, we got Ted money, so maybe it's real. Maybe it is. Did you, did you see uh, beautiful Bobby's... Brand new, like, throwback Fire. wrestling robe. Oh. <laughs> Blue and silver with fireworks on it. I was like, oh, this is so not 1993. I appreciate that your head is, like, in with all the things that you love. I was too drawn to the, the beautiful mane of hair up top. So. <laughs> it's hard, hard not to stare at that hair on his head. <laughs> so the match gets going. It's a very athletic back-and-forth match between the two. When Bobby sends Scorpio out to the apron. But he comes back in with a flipping sunset flip. Bridging over for the extra leverage, only for the two count. A flipping sunset flip. <laughs> I didn't that's know what, what to is. call it. Yeah, it yeah. Like, that's not a sunset flip. Yeah, it's, a fl- it's the flipping sunset it's flip. It's flipping sunset flip. <laughs> Eaten with a clothesline, Irish whip, charging in only for two cold to drop down to avoid, forcing beautiful Bobby to hit the turnbuckle face first. Scorpio then lifts himself to the top rope, coming off with a flying body press. That was a quick, for a near quick to the top rope there. Drop kick and an arm drag leads to two cold working the arm before trying a crossbody, only for Eaton to duck and begin choking Scorpio. Beautiful Bobby with a hammer lock. Two cold then elbows out, lifts Eaton up onto the turnbuckle, and climbs up himself before hitting a drop kick to send Bobby out to the floor. I gotta. Complain about that drop kick though. It was it was too on camera and no actual touching of feet to yeah yeah to Bobby. So I mean it was great that he jumped up. You know, and did it's a, a cool idea, but Scorpio's yeah. still a, like a little a little green and rusty for all the amazing things he does. They're not quite as crisp as we like them yeah. to be, but he is still very electric. Like the next, maybe even the next time or the time after that that he tries it again. It's going to be perfect. Mm. Oh, yeah. But this one was just... A little off mark. Still in practice. Don't hit me and knock me out yeah. of the ring yet. Maybe he was practicing like a 17 and this is an 18 foot well, ring. Let's just say that Scorpio does things that no one else does. Yes. That we see in wrestling. But they're not the but excellence it's very of very sloppy. Yeah. And I can see why a lot of... Why he doesn't... Why he's not in the echelon when people talk about like the important, exactly. like important forward-thinking like, guys. People know who Scorpio is, but he's not like that next level. Yeah, he's not Pillman. He's not Liger. Yes. He's not. Yeah, he's not in those, in with those guys. And I feel like that's a big part of the reason because he's definitely over. He's super likable. Very charismatic. I mean, literally both times he's done the 450 splash of the last two matches we've seen. His knee has hit the face of the dude. Oh, uh, and spoiler, but that's about to happen here, and it is the worst-looking one so far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that Bobby deserves a giant paycheck for what's mm-hmm. about to happen. 
Scorpio follows out with a Pescado before rolling Eaton back in. Is tossing him around the ring when beautiful Bobby takes down Too Cold out of nowhere. Eaton follows up with a swinging neckbreaker, going up top for the flying elbow drop for the two count. Bobby with forearms across the back, but Scorpio fires back with right hands, a spinning heel kick, and then goes up top for the Firebird 450 splash. Into the face. For the pin. And, and the, the win. win. I cannot believe that. Bobby Eaton could have, I feel like he could have sued the man for this. Yeah. It is like, really, I had to rewind it a few times. It's hard to watch. And yeah. I'm like, poor Bobby Eaton, a like legitimate professional, just taking the pin from a guy that's getting a little too wild out here. Yep. I would be pretty upset if I was Bobby Eaton, one of the one of the like best to do it in ring, especially as far as like lighter guys go at this time point in time. Oh, Matt. don't forget the cameo with the Hawaiian Tropic guy. Oh yeah, with him and <laughs> it's very throwaway. But the Hawaiian Tropic guy is there for some reason because we're in Florida. But he's with his wife and his daughter, and I think Tony was probably about to talk about Bikini Girls, but then. Well, she was back a former Miss Hawaiian Tropic oh. bikini girl. Oh, his wife was? Oh, yeah. uh, okay. Yeah, but I mean, I just felt like he was probably going to say some, like, you know. Yeah, because he said something about horny Yeah, some, some horny stuff about yeah. the ladies. And then ladies he didn't, in contest. Because he, he kind of just, like, started, felt like he was about to say something, and I was like, oh, yeah, there he is with his family. <laughs> I just thought it was kind of funny. Yeah, because I had to rewind that spot trying to figure out, did I miss something? Who is this guy? Why are they zooming in on him? Yeah. Oh, he's just some just guy from... Some guy. Also, I did see some people walking up the stairs. This is a pretty big arena that's like, seems pretty big and breezy, like just the way it's set up. But uh, I swear there was like Hooters girls walking up the, maybe they just got off their shift and came to a wrestling match. It's possible. But, or hell, maybe they have a Hooters in there that just, you know. There's probably one on the outside. Walking around right instead next of to popcorn, we're in, you've yeah, got we're in um, Florida. wings and I don't know what else Hooters has. Chicken sandwiches. Ladies, the people go there for the ladies. <laughs> the wings aren't bad. So our third match, Max Payne versus Johnny B. Bad in a Mask versus Norma Jean match. Mm. Yeah, Max That's Payne with Norma Jean versus Johnny B. Bad with the mask. So the story behind this match was that Payne had shot Bad in the face with a bad blaster, causing Johnny to become disfigured oh my God. and forced to wear a mask. The horror. I know, right? Yeah, wild. So, of course, he comes out playing Norma Jean. He's getting better at the walk-in and the guitar playing. Uh, it's very funny that Jesse says that uh, he thinks that Jimi Hendrix strummed that guitar once, which is very funny because he's playing, like, a, you know, late 80s, early 90s, like, Jackson, which is, like, a heavy metal guitar. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, like, those did not exist uh, <laughs> when Jimi Hendrix died. So match gets going with Max attacking right as Bad makes it into the ring, dragging him out to slam his leg on the apron. In the ring, Payne with a snapmare, multiple elbow drops, but Johnny comes back with several clotheslines that just phase Max. So he follows it up with a crossbody, only for Payne to duck. Max with a side slam and begins to rip the mask off. Oh my god, no. But Bad has a second mask on underneath. Oh, I love it. That's so fun. Big old brain there on Mr. Bad with two Oh, guys. yeah. Johnny with a head scissors, only to be no soul, and Payne delivers a clothesline, hits a hammerlock slam, and looks to apply the painkiller. But Bad slips away, cradling up Max for the two count. 
I love the hammerlock body slam. It's a nice bit of flavor for somebody like Max Payne, who we haven't been particularly kind to. Payne, with another clothesline, drops some elbows, climbs to the middle rope for a splash, only for Johnny to move out of the way and make the cover for the pin and, and the, the win. win. Y- yeah. That one, uh, that was another one I had to rewind because it was like I... I didn't know if I long blinked and missed something or what, because all of a sudden quick. the match was over. Yeah, I think that it was much better than I thought it was going to be. It was pretty well worked and like it was pretty as like short as it needed pretty, to be. Yeah, it was yeah well like the right <laughs> length, pretty well timed, yes. <laughs> no botches, everything made sense. They did kill a big man, but they killed except a big the, except for the final. They killed a big man that we don't that we don't bit. yeah we don't they killed a big man that we don't care about. So yeah. I'm not mad about about that because at least Johnny B. Bad could hold a microphone for the next three years and I'd be okay with it until I wasn't. Yeah. Post-match, Bad gets Norma Jean from the ref before being interviewed by Jesse. And he says he's going to unmask in three days on WCW Saturday night. And, when I was he like, said, and then when he said this, I was just like, so you're not disfigured and it, you didn't really care if you'd lost or not? I'm yeah. Like, It'd be really funny if he does it and he just... Like sells it really hard and takes off one mask, a second mask, but he has a third mask on and doesn't but take it's that like one off. Rick Rude style, where it has like a print of his face on it. Instead. <laughs> yes, I love that. That would be, that would be incredible. Third mask is an airbrush of Johnny Bad's face. That would be awesome. Uh, I'm uh, sure they didn't. Yeah, we haven't got quite that funny yet, but that is a good ass. I did idea. like the. I mean, it was a little little comical there at the end of that little interview where he. Kisses the guitar and says something about I'm gonna have a quick guitar lessons now. Yeah, yeah, something like that. I'm I was made a match for the guitar. Now you gotta learn how to play. Yeah, I uh, I was completely pleased with this match more than I should have been. It was quick. It was painless. I would say it was perfectly booked for 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 what what these two guys can do. Yeah, I mean considering how much we bitched about the last match that we covered of theirs, this one. Yeah, quick to the point, and like I said, well well worked. Yeah. Bravo, Johnny B. Well, then we go to Flair for the Gold with Ric Flair and Fifi the Maid. Whole setup on the stage. Oh, yeah. Like a house. Daytime talk show. Yeah, but setup. Like, yeah, but a daytime a talk show with a dining room entrance. or yeah. yeah, it's like a daytime <laughs> talk show, but if, like, it also, they still put the part that goes. Goes to like the cooking where they do the cooking segment. It's like, oh well, we built instead of building just the part we needed, we also added the, uh, yeah. you know, the two burners in the corner. Rick welcomes his guests, Sting and the British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith. Whoa! They start talking fall brawl and war games. I like fall brawl and war games. I think yeah, I like yeah. war games. I'm just trying to remember if I liked fall brawl. I like Sting and Davy Boy. War Games is going to be at Fall Brawl. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I always get confused because I'm like, it's the same thing, but just pick a name. This this year it is, yes. Yeah. Then Davy Boy starts yelling about everybody cooking. I think he was high, guys. Uh, I mean, he is something. I like the cooking thing. Everybody's cooking. The uh, It means they're hot. The actor and me kept screaming at the TV that... Everybody kept turning their backs to the camera. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to, to talk to the microphone in the crowd. <laughs> All of a sudden, Sid Vicious, Colonel Robert Parker, 
and Harlem Heat show up. I know. Oh, I, shit. I popped for Harlem Heat. I'm sure we all did. Yeah, I forgot that they had shown up. We haven't seen them yet. Harlem Heat are members of the WWE Hall of Fame. And Booker T is also a member of the WWE Hall of Fame on his own. You know what that means? He's he is a, a two-time, 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 two-time <laughs> oh, Hall of Famer. Glad someone else got to do that. <laughs> Sid starts yelling, if you were as smart as you act like you are, you wouldn't wait this close to war games to name who your partner was. And I was like, has he never watched wrestling? I'm People Sid, name their uh, partners. Wasn't he a fucking mystery partner? Like, he was Three a mystery. Opponent. He was a mystery opponent on the last WCW yeah. show. Exactly. Also, uh, it's Sid. So the answer is yes. He's never watched wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> it's, we're not talking. Yeah. You know, yeah. We're not uh, talking oh, about. Oh, can, can we do this real quick? Yeah. We're not talking about Bobby Eaton or like you know somebody that actually cares and respects about wrestling. Sid cares about wrestling about as much as Lex Luger or Ultimate Warrior. So Davy Boy then's like, all right, let's tell him, and Sting says. Our partner is going to shock the world because he is none other than the Shockmaster. Pyro goes off and the Shockmaster falls through a wall. Right through the wall. Losing his glittery Stormtrooper helmet. Uh, And everybody's seen this. Everybody's seen this a bunch of times, but you normally don't see the whole clip. You just see the fall. The whole clip with them building it up, it just makes it so much better. This poor son of a bitch. Vicious is yelling until the shockmaster begins talking. And if you didn't know who it was, <laughs> it sounded a lot like the Black Scorpion, which means that it was Ole Anderson. Uh, Come on. I'll show you the man who rules the world. They call me the shockmaster. You ruled the world long enough, said Vicious. Get ready. Come on. If you want a piece of me, you want a piece of me? Come and get me. Come after me, Sid. I'm ready. Along with Davy Boy, Sting, and Dusty Rhodes, we will see you at the Fall Brawl at the War Games. Until then. <laughs> uh, it's way too long. He could have sped it up. If I was him, I would have probably said it as fast as possible and ran, sprouted a tail, put it between my legs, and ran away. And he talked about pay-per-views then, like old people talk about Facebook now. The Fall Brawl at the War Games on the Facebook. <laughs> so two things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a Stormtrooper mask covered in glitter. I okay, well, to paint okay many things, but <laughs> two things that I'm going to mention. It's not Dusty Rhodes. No, but it's, it's Dusty gonna, Rhodes' idea. It's going to be Dustin Rhodes is his other partner. Uh, mm. Hey. Just right. just so you're not disappointed when we get to war games and it's like, where's Dusty at? Yeah, I mean, we all love Dusty, but in ring at this point in time in 93, wouldn't yeah. we just prefer to see Dustin? I mean, yeah. And Shockmaster is none other than Tugboat Typhoon. <laughs> Who we last saw at Royal Rumble. So the voiceover was just Ole. The voiceover was Ole. Because you can't put a mic. They don't have money to put a mic in a Stormtrooper mask. No. God, and it's the worst. I hate that voice so much. It's like the worst 
voice for anything ever. <laughs> you just I mean, have to listen. It's so funny that they would think that the people didn't The thing is, think... Tugboat's voice isn't bad. Yeah. It's just, like, have him pre-record it. Yeah, put his voice through the the changer if, if needed yeah. even, but don't give us the exact same thing because it maybe was like, without a doubt. Make sure that he knows that Scorpio. the bottom of the set's not breakaway and he has to step through it and can't well, just walk into it. There's rumors that... It was going to be the warrior, right? Well, no. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, no way. They no. had practiced. They had, warrior money. they had practiced him going through the wall before the actual show. It's not like they did it one time, and that's what they got. But they, after they practiced it, um, David Crockett put something like put a different kind. They did a different kind of wall. Yeah, because it looks like that the bottom is like the problem. Like he tripped over, like they had yeah. a, like a stabilizing board at the bottom that probably wasn't necessary. So they did it many and times. And you can't see obviously, but then they put a different kind of wall, and it was David Crockett's fault. That's yeah, fu- it's goddamn funny. door right over there. I mean, it's really one. The door. Of, it's really one of like the true gems. <laughs> Literally, of, like, just wrestling walk around. Walk around the set. Or if you're gonna have him crash through a wall, give him something more. What was remember the of a costume it? than a shitty cape. <sighs> And a stormtrooper. It, it, storm it was like they. T- it was like they took. Everybody um, knew that that was a stormtrooper in 1993. The barbarian. Yeah. Um, the barbarian's skin. uh, skins that he wore as a uh, vest, and a glitter. Like who falling through the wall is funny enough. The stormtrooper mask. It's the icing on the a cake. A glittery stormtrooper mask isn't a good look anyway. Did, did they think like one? Everybody knows. was he going to wear that while he wrestled? I've never seen a Shockmaster match, so I have no clue. I don't even know if there is one. I think there is only one, maybe? He, 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 he's at War Games. <laughs> okay. So, I know we're going to see at least one. Also, like, if you're going to try to do something like this, why discount it so much? Like, remember when they, was it Black Scorpion, where they did the crazy UFO thing? That, like, crazy spaceship thing that, like, opened up on, like, the catwalk? Yes, yeah. I remember that. That thing was, that was wild. So cool. It looked awesome. I mean, hell, you had even the even even Oz's Oz thing yeah. going on with Oz, and it was horrendous. But at least it was a spectacle, and this was like so discount. I mean, like we've had Robocop. Even in Robocop was stupid, but it was still yeah. at least he didn't fall down. He didn't fall down. No, <laughs> he did not. I think some of his suit started to fall off when you walked back. Uh, but you know what? We'll. Uh... There's yeah we gotta erase the taste of that match. <laughs> the next one, our fourth match, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat <sighs> versus Mister Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Paula, Paula, for the WCW World Television Championship. I like um, Paul Orndorff's like '60s like cream style rock and roll tune. I was like, this is pretty. <laughs> this seems. This is pretty good. This is a pretty cool thing for him to come out to as a heel. No, no vocals, just some some good old guitar riffs. Would you call it wonderful? I thought it was pretty great. Maybe not wonderful, but definitely pretty great. Tony and Jesse, because they've just come back from commercial, and they're having a hard time keeping their composure. Yes. Making shocking, making <laughs> small jokes about the shocking entrance of Shockmaster. And we have a special appearance here. Mike um, Buffett. Oh. We do have Michael Buffer as the guest ring announcer. I was Buffer. I'm like, Mike Buffett? Who's Buffett. that? <laughs> Jimmy Buffett's a younger cousin. But no trademark phrase for this one. Nope. No. But I figured you were going to bring up Ricky Breeze Fire. Oh, yeah, entrance. yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I believe he learned at WWF and then, like, oh, yeah, he and learned. then they, they paid, they bankrolled all that, that and then he left. 
that full costume oh, in yeah. WWF. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is just like, oh, I learned this thing over here, but he didn't stick around. Because I'm pretty sure that WWF bankrolled him, like, learning how to do the fire thing and all that. And I think he did it on house shows and then eventually didn't work with him. I know he did it on one pay-per-view. Yeah. But he hasn't done it in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to it. It's cool. It's It's great. It's especially with a guy that's, like, everybody loves, but he has got personality in the ring and not really on the microphone. So him spitting fire is cool and, like, it... Parallels how impressive he is in the ring. A big fireball just it makes for good TV. Oh yeah. So match gets going with Steamboat locking on a headlock. Orndorff tries to get out of it, but every time the dragon goes right back to it, until Ricky goes for a flying shoulder block, which Paul ducks, sending Steamboat over the ropes and out to the rampway, which allows Mister Wonderful to change the momentum with some kicks, throwing the dragon back in, and then coming off the top rope with an elbow to the top of the head. Orndorff then hits a body slam, a hip toss, and a face plant. Tries for multiple pin attempts, but each time only getting two. Paul dumps Ricky to the outside and drags him back to the apron. Goes for a head slam into the turnbuckle, but it is blocked and reversed by the dragon. Steamboat then climbs to the top, coming off with a flying judo chop to the head for the near fall. Ricky with a back suplex, but he hurts his own head. which causes a delayed cover for two. The dragon's chopping away on Mr. Wonderful, which sends him over the ropes to the floor, and Steamboat follows out with a plancha. Paul climbs to the apron, shoulder blocks Ricky, and then flies through the ropes for a splash and a cover for a near fall. I love that Paul Orndorff isn't, like, digging in on the heel stuff. They're just, like, having, like, an athletic one-on-one match like he's not really being a shithead he's just being a great wrestler in the ring with another great wrestler yeah. and uh Matching i just like yeah like every couple of lines in my notes just says i love them i just love, <laughs> i love them here i love them together it's like your uh your dad and my dad well i mean we're always talking about mr wonderful and um, his like old dad face and then i'm, I'm trying to think of the the comparison your cool relation your uncle. for yeah, your your dad and your uncle having a, a match where you're just like, yeah, who's gonna win? Yeah, <clears throat> I love them both. Mister Wonderful again tries for multiple pin attempts, even trying for one with leverage, but the ref sees it and stops the count. I spoke too soon. There's your little heel energy. Yeah, and Orndorff thinks he has won. Paul grabs the belts from Ventura. still thinking he has won. Yeah, I love that from the ring. He's just like, I got this shit. I'm taking my shit. I'm going. When the dragon comes from behind for an O'Connor roll, for the pin, and no, no Mr. Wonderful kicks out. Now that's, a, now that's a high spot, come on. Orndorff goes for the pile driver, only for Steamboat to reverse into a back body drop and a jackknife pin. But Paul bridges out, so the dragon rolls him over for a backslide pin for a near fall. What a fun, fun encounter. Clothesline by Mr. Wonderful, Irish whip only to charge into a big boot, allowing Ricky to go up top for a flying body press, which Orndorff rolls through for the pin, and no, no steamboat kicks out. It's getting hot. Paul goes for a body slam, only for the dragon to cradle him up for the pin, and, and the win. And new. Post-match, Mr. Wonderful attacks Ricky as he's leaving the ring, Hitting the pile driver on the belt on the rampway. Come on, what a 
nice way to get your heat back. Yeah, get your heat back. Also, if you're going to lose to somebody, losing to Steamboat is perfectly acceptable. Plus, you know, Steamboat will only stick around for another another month and a half before you, you know, you could get that belt right back somehow. (laughs) And, you know, a classic all-time great match of Steamboats ended in a similar fashion, and it's talked about, you know, for years and years and years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This, this was very much the You're end talking of, about the bell, right? of WrestleMania 3. Yeah. Yeah. That roll-up from the slam. Mm-hmm. We did get an ad for Fall Brawl War Games. The Fall Brawl at the War Games? Yes. Yes. Ooh. Eric's then in the back with Harley Race and the Colossal Kongs. Oh. Mm. And Harley says, Flair, you made the biggest mistake when you sucker-punched me. When these two monsters get done with you, there will be a small little grease print in the ring. Yeah, they uh little backstage thing. I wanted to reach through, and I don't know if it was King or Awesome that I wanted to slap around, but he just kept doing like this really baby, pouty, almost like I want a like a, a whimpering bottom lip. It didn't look mean or villainous or anything it looked you weren't menaced no i wasn't i wasn't kinged or konged or awesomed or whatever it was just colossal shit so we're headed to our fifth match the colossal kongs of king kong and awesome kong not the female someone else yeah versus sting and the nature boy rick flair i wonder who could possibly win this match It'll be a colossal upset if it's not who we think it is. (laughs) Yeah. We get Michael Buffer again. Big buff. But he says a different phrase than we're used to. Mm. He says, Man your battle stations. I was like, Oh, Buffer. All right. All right, Buffer. Yeah, shouldn't you save that for Fall Brawl War Games? (laughs) So the Kongs miss a double clothesline on Sting to begin. And then the Stinger drop kicks them both, body slams them both to force them out to the floor to regroup. Those Kongs aren't so colossal if, if with, with old Stinger just taking them to task right off the bat. And we see, and Harley on the outside is like, that's impossible. I mean, yeah, that's kind of how I felt. I was like, really? We're going, we're going to go this hard on these guys already? Yeah, it's, it, it seemed very much that... This, I'm this working with the, Rick tonight, uh... not from underneath. <laughs> This was the the answer to the big man body slam challenge that WWF had had <laughs> soon before. It's sting, like, yeah, sting. fuck you. None of your guys can slam anybody. Our guys gonna slam two and one. It's, yeah, that's a pretty pretty uh, interesting <laughs> points because like, yeah, Sting gets that whole angle done in uh, twenty seconds as opposed to like a month and a half. And he didn't even have to fly in on a helicopter. No. It goes straight to the Pier Six once they're all back in the ring with Flair taking one of the Kongs to the outside. Coming off the apron with a single sledge, while Sting gets clotheslined by the other Kong in the ring. Sting moves to avoid an elbow drop, hits multiple drop kicks, a clothesline, a stinger splash, and the crossbody for the pin and, and the, the win. win. My, my God, I blinked. What I miss? Crab, 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 Rick even finishes brawling with his Kong and starts chopping away on race. While the finish is happening, it's fun to see Har- to see Ric Flair and Harley Race anywhere near each other. Post match, Flair comes off the top rope with another single sledge to a Kong, and then the Nature Boy and the Stinger high five and 
Woo! For the crowd. Old Sting. The no idea man. Tony Schiavone then interviews the two at ringside. And Schiavone brings up that they will be facing each other for the NWA title on Saturday. Yes, mm. now the match makes perfect sense. It's been a while since what? like Since like 1989? I guess we had the one of the many trilogies in 1989-90. But I feel like we haven't seen Rick and Sting in the same ring for quite a while. Well, I mean, since Black Scorpion... <laughs> we know how we yeah so like as long as he doesn't show up with a fucking mask on I'm good to go Rick says Stinger didn't need any help I was just here to make sure Harley kept his nose out of the match and then they both put each other over and that they got respect for each other well that's nice we're not going to cover that match because Ric Flair wins and it goes about 15 minutes mm-hmm. nothing impressive about it's the match just, uh, so TV TV. Not even, I mean, match. obviously not a clash. Yeah, you, clash or like yeah. what, quarterly? TBS Saturday night. Was... Just a TV match, basically. Yeah. But they'll pop a rating with a flare sting. Oh, of course. I mean, I was excited. I was like, oh, this must be a, a war game or whatever. I don't even know. No, it's Davy Boy Sting, Shockmaster, and Dustin Rhodes. Sorry. Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, old Dusty Dustin. At the War Games, at the Fall Brawl, on the Facebooks, and the Twitters. Yes. So we head to our sixth match. The Equalizer and Ravishing Rick Rude versus the natural Dustin Rhodes and a mystery partner. Oh my god. See, literally said they couldn't prepare Mm -hmm. because they didn't know who it was going to be because they waited till that day. Right right now they're going to announce who it is. Yeah. Or are they? Like I said, Sid doesn't watch any wrestling. No. So the mystery partner comes driving out in the Camaro Z28 that will be given away later in the night. Oh my god. And it's Road Warrior Animal? Oh, excuse me. I got excited. (laughs) We haven't seen Animal since SummerSlam 92, episode 74. I know. I I popped for this. When Drunk Hawk rode off to... The sunset. <laughs> or Rude. the land of the rising sun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rude takes the mic and says, they knew it was going to be Animal the entire time, so it was no mystery to them. Dang, Rude. But as he's talking, Road Warrior Hawk is shown on the apron behind everybody. What? I was very confused. I was like, okay, cool, but... One of them being in the match and one not seems like kind of a lame way to bring the Road Warriors back. Even though it's still awesome, it's like, do you put them both in the ring together at the same time? This is wild. And what I'm thinking is I remember watching this match as it happened, and it brought back a lot of memories of watching this match because this is one of those things that when I think of WCW, specifically Clash of Champions, this is an image that flashes through my brain of... Animal walking to the ring, getting out of the Z28. Yeah. But all I kept thinking through that entire time, even back in 1993 when the show was going on, was I was convinced that it's a Z28. It's got to be Z-Man. Oh. Why do you not? You know, I would have loved that. Yeah. Why, why do you not bring in Z-Man for this match? Because I'm sorry, you've got Dustin Rhodes and Ravishing Rick Rude who are you know supposed to be battling it out. You've got the Equalizer, and you need somebody of the same caliber or, or greater and Z-Man kind of falls into that spot. We love him to death, but he's not the, the main event star. Yeah, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, I think that he 
has the look and potentially the ability, but I don't. I feel like even in the last like handful of months, where it's like, oh, like Z-Man's kind of not as into wrestling. He's tried so many times or had so many opportunities that didn't work in his direction. But I got much love for Big Z. But he's not here. You know who's here? Should've the motherfucking Road Warriors are here. Animal then takes the mic and he says, Dusty used to be on LOD's side and now it's Dustin's turn. Though, the last time Dusty was in a ring with the Road Warriors... He was an opponent? They were opponents because the Road Warriors had poked him in the eye with their spike <laughs> at Starcade 88, episode right. 24. I forgot about that match. So Animal continues with, You're a fool's fool, because there's more than one Road Warrior. There are two. And Hawk leaps into the ring, while the Ravishing One and Equalizer turn to see him before clearing the ring with an LOD chant breaking out from the crowd. LOD. LOD. And then comes the Barbara Walters lens on the TV where everything gets this nice little beautiful glow to it for just one scene, and then it goes back. Did that really happen? Yes, oh, at man. least on mine. I'm sure we're watching from the same place. <laughs> uh, my TV does some crazy shit, but yeah, I was watching <laughs> it, it was just like all of a sudden, it was this like frosty yeah like, glow on the screen and then you know they switched cameras and it was back to the the normal the look of things maybe it's the ravishing lens <laughs> so hawk uses his power early on on rude winning a test of strength and stomping on the ravishing one's hands equalizer comes in only to receive a drop kick to send him to the floor but the road warrior follows out after him stalking around ringside only for the Equalizer to make it back into the ring first, putting the boots to Hawk. Equalizer sends the Road Warrior to the ropes, but telegraphs a back body drop. Oh my god. So Hawk goes for a neckbreaker that is badly botched. Yes, very much so. So he follows it up with a fist drop, a clothesline, and then charges into the corner, only he, to receive a big boot. He at least cleaned up the botch alright. Rude comes in to work over the back of the Road Warrior, applying a chin lock, only for Hawk to power up lifting the Ravishing One up onto his shoulders, where Dustin comes off the top rope for the Doomsday Device. Ooh-wee. Rhodes starts going crazy on his opponents with elbows, inverted atomic drops, back body drop, tries for a monkey flip, but Rude blocks and fires out with a clothesline. The Ravishing One goes up to the top, coming off with a single sledge, and starts doing some gyrating. Equalizers in with a back elbow, a choke slam, Rude with a double throat thrust and holds the natural for the equalizer to clotheslining, but Dustin moves in time, so Rude takes the blow. Rhodes is crawling to his corner, but the ref is distracted, so he doesn't allow the tag, even as Hawk hits a leaping shoulder tackle on the equalizer and a military press slam of the Ravishing One. Road Warrior continues the attack with a double clothesline of his opponents, a double face plant, and clothesline to send both men out to the floor. Rude's back on the apron, where Hawk brings him back in with a vertical suplex, only for the Equalizer to come from behind to knock the Road Warrior out to the floor. The Equalizer picks up Rhodes for a body slam as Hawk heads up top, coming off with a shoulder block onto Dustin, which causes him to land on top of the Equalizer for the pin and the win. Not, not the best Road Warrior Dustin Rhodes or 
Rick Rude match we've ever seen. It's solid. It just feels like the surprise was really good, but it's just so weird that the surprise is not at least even a six man because you got to get the other. Yeah. You yes, know, it was definitely weird. Animal, animal, animal just, just yelling, sitting around, sitting on, the around on the outside, yelling like "kick his ass" or whatever. Kill like, yeah, yeah. It's like, what? Yeah. Well, like, there's they do a doomsday device, but it's Dustin and not the other oh, road warrior. But the other road warriors, literally right there, thirty yeah. feet away. I mean, Hawk spent this last few months working with old Suzuki. Suzuki, so yeah. maybe he's just not ready to actually have a, a match with Animal yet. Maybe it was all him. <laughs> Tony then sends us to a video to show you how you can win that Camaro Z28. But sorry, folks. Entries had to be received by 1993. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and spoiler, I did not win. Oh, you were part of this? Who didn't want a Camaro Z28 yeah, in 1993? I mean, I, mean, I, was, I don't know. It's pretty shit-ass looking this, car. Uh, what was the date of the show again? August 18th, yeah. 1993. This was uh, five days before my 16th birthday, so... Perfect time to win a car. I was thinking, I was like, is this the, like, the way that, is this like the, like, letter to the Hulkster thing, where this is how WCW starts to send out catalogs and ads for, like, tickets and stuff like that to people's homes? Like, is Did this you get anything from WCW? After this? No. Oh, okay. Well, then I lived in Nebraska, though. You know, WCW was more... They were the, probably the like, oh, we're not there. gonna be anywhere near this kid. We're not gonna send him, um, you know, a catalog yeah. for a Stinger hat. But yeah, I had a, a WWF magazine subscription, so all they had to do was buy the rights to their mailing list, and you know they could have sent me all kinds of shit. Yeah. We then get our seventh match: the British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith versus Big Van Vader. Oh come on! With Harley Race for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship, with the disqualification rule waived. Hmm. I think that, like, Tony's just talking over the entrance, and this is, like, a big match. I'm like, what are you doing here, man? Just talking about other things as these wonderful stars walk to the ring. I was pretty disappointed in Mr. Shivani. So the waving of the DQ rule means that if Vader is disqualified, the title can change hands. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, we all know Vader to be uh, pretty rough and loose with the rules, so... And we get Michael Buffer once again, and this time he does say those famous words, which I can't say because he has them trademarked. Oh, come on. We don't want to get sued. Come on. Can Just... we say it in pig Latin? If you want to, you can. <laughs> you, can't, you can't say, let's get ready to redact it? <laughs> you can say that. He's very litigious. Really? Those words. What a jerk. Um, I don't respect that. I'm sorry, Michael Buffer, but you've lost... Any respect that I yeah. had for you. Hey, I, I will say, bullshit. thanks, bro. We, if, if it matters, or I don't know if we'll get in trouble for it, but I've used his voice for our, our lip sync thing, so it was his voice. Maybe it's okay then. I think it's okay if you use his voice. Yeah. yeah. Hey, he, I'm, I'm anti-Michael Buffer. brought us our, our second lip sync. Anti-Buff. Victory. With your copyright crap. They're words. So the two men start brawling on the rampway, and Vader hits a clothesline, goes for a suplex, but is blocked and Bulldog reverses into a stalling vertical suplex, following up with multiple clotheslines and a dropkick to send Vader back into the ring. Davy Boy goes for a slingshot splash, only for Vader to get his knees up. 
Vader starts pounding away with stiff shots in the mm, corner. I love those. Stiff be- shots, Jesus. Before tossing Smith out to the floor. Vader follows out, goes for the splash, but the bulldog moves. So Vader goes right into the guardrail. Davy Boy then with a front suplex onto the guardrail as well. Back in the ring, Smith with a Samoan drop for a two count. But Vader comes back with a splash and starts working over the legs with elbow drops, more clotheslines, and a Samoan drop of his own. Vader then heads up top, coming off with a splash for the near fall. And by the way, Vader took his mask off like right at the beginning of this match. And it was, know, pretty cool, I, it was a cool moment where it's like, I guess, does he roll him out to the outside? And I think it's right before he gets him in the corner and starts laying. Yeah, him. yeah. But he just rips his mask off, and I'm like, all right, Vader means business. This is cool. It's a nice little thing, because I don't understand why he wears it in the first place. Yeah. Because you know what he looks like. It's not a... The mask is basically, like, uh, made out of, like, backpack straps. But it's a cool, cool little thing for him to take it off. I enjoyed that. The bulldog goes for a sunset flip and moves to avoid the butt splash, but is then sent flipping into the corner, followed by another splash and then begins to wear down Davy Boy, only for Smith to catch him with the crucifix for the pin, and no, Vader kicks out. Back to the stiff shots in the corner, and Vader heads up top, only for the Bulldog to hit a drop kick to crotch the big man. Now it's Davy Boy's turn. This drop kick was quite a bit better than Too Cold. (laughs) (laughs) Just putting that out there. Now it's Davy Boy's turn to unload in the corner, and charging in with the clothesline, only to run into a big boot. So Vader hits the Vader bomb oh my God. for the pin, and no, no, no Smith sir. kicks out. The big man goes up to the middle rope, coming off, but the bulldog catches him with a power slam. But the ref is knocked down, so there is no one to count. Oh my gosh. Catches Vader. Catches Vader. He catches <laughs> Vader. Like hey, they both... He's already held him in a stalling vertical he... suplex. Yeah, they both like... Just kick the idea out. of, I'm going to catch Vader. They both kick out of signature moves. Yeah. Vader picks up and slams him. You get a ref bump. Like, this is all, like, textbook stuff. Davy Boy goes for another stalling vertical suplex. Mm. When Harley crawls into the ring, taking Smith out at the knees. Boo. Causing Vader to land on top of the bulldog. Double boo. And the ref crawls over to make the count for the pin and, and the win. win. Text, textbook intelligent wrestling match. Can't complain about this finish. Harley's trying to be kind of Bobby Heenan-ish, but it's just not working for mm, me. I mean, ugh, there's only one Bobby Heenan. Yes. Post-match, Race continues to go after Davy Boy's knees, and Vader joins in on, on the attack, when all of a sudden, Cactus Jack <sighs> comes running down the rampway. It's been a while. The fuck? He was probably hurt, I'd imagine. Vader meets him out there, and the two men begin to brawl. But we're out of time, and we get credits. I know. Yeah. I needed. A, I needed like another thirty seconds. Tune in Saturday night. Those stalling suplexes on Vader. Like there was two, at least two in the match. Yep. Oh, this is uh, this is kind of the like WCW opponent that Vader has needed for a while. He's Vader's had great matches with other guys, but nobody. That's big and capable uh, the way that Bulldog is. Yeah. So, like, yeah, this was good shit. Agreed. You know Bulldog 
it's high enough to take those hits without complaining about them. <laughs> those those stiff Vader, I those blow my mind every time I see them. So a couple things, you you mentioned Cactus Jack being injured. He did get injured a few months earlier when Vader power bombed him onto the concrete floor. Mm-hmm. So they kept him out to sell that. And they started actually running this amnesia gimmick oh. with Cactus Jack where he just didn't know where he was. Oh, that sounds um, fun and probably pretty unfortunate for anybody that's in Mick Foley's life at this point. Because I can't imagine that he's got the greatest memory. But they uh, quickly dropped that and moved him back into this feud with Vader yeah. um, as soon as he was pretty much healthy. So Yeah, and chances are he could always take a break for injury and it would be reasonable <laughs> yeah the other thing a couple weeks after this show would air wcw and nwa would have a falling out oh so no we're way. not unifying shit we are not the nwa tag belts would just disappear and so we have uh, the horsemen as the wcw World Tag Team Champions. Uh, the Roma effect is kicking in already. While Ric Flair, <laughs> who was the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, he would keep Big Gold. Ooh, that's his. But they would change the title, the name of the title, to the WCW International World Heavyweight Champions. That's right, I forgot they did that. Okay, but so he, he just hijacked Big Gold? Well, he technically he, he he owns the belt because he has to put a deposit down uh, whenever he wins the yeah. belt. Mm-hmm. So it's his property, basically. So he keeps the belt. But I mean, wasn't it his? I guess because I'm trying to think of when he left and took it with him. Because it was his property at that point as well. Yeah, that was like what 1990 when he went to 91, 92. Yeah, yeah. or when he went to WWF and yeah. they had blurted out and stuff. You know, that incredible run over at WWF. So, (laughs) we no longer have to worry about the NWA, and we really won't see the NWA for... I mean, we'll see it sooner, but NWA kind of loses its prestige at this point. Territories are fucking dunzo here in 93. Boy, does it ever. (laughs) So, with that all being said, gentlemen, Mm -hmm. what... Are your overall thoughts um, of Clash of the Champions? I was like, I was like, are, am, am I supposed to start talking now? Sorry, uh, I forgot the name of the show. I was <laughs> like, uh, it's all good. I'll start. It was, it was a good show. It Thank was good, you. not great, but it had its moments of of interest. High that, spots, stories moving forward. Yes, it had a com- its comedic moments, and Very as somebody comedic who, moments, I think that this is what Clash. Should be solid and then moving stuff forward a couple of surprises it's on television brings you in like if i was if i watched this i would be interested for what happens in a pay-per-view because i feel like this is a really like engaging show storyline wise but it's not all like backstage interviews or like vignettes and stuff like that it all happens like at the ringside and all the wrestling is i mean it's quality yeah and it's, I mean, as somebody who watched it 27 years ago, it, it's held up over time, and it's left lasting images in my, my memory. Yeah, your Z28. Um, the Z28, the, the Shockmaster. Um, yes. 
I already forgot about the Shockmaster because I think this show, the Shockmaster, is it's the thing it's most remembered for. That uh, this show is better than the shock, the, the like comedy effect of the Shockmaster. Yes. In so many shows we've watched, the Shockmaster would have been the only takeaway, and I don't think that that's what this show is. Yeah, the work rate on this show. It's not top mat, top notch no, by any means. No, but it's more solid than a lot of things we've seen. But it's a very fun show to watch. From the returns of the Road Warriors to the shocking entrances, <laughs> yes, this show kept my attention completely. To the to to the big man work um, between Vader and Davy Boy. What a way to way to, what a way to leave people is like. Look at look at these impressive motherfuckers. So. The reason most people are watch this show is to see the Shockmaster and I segment. Would beg you to just watch the whole show, but just watch the whole thing because yeah. it is an entertaining show completely. It's yeah. There's no. There's nothing terrible here at all. Like even the Max Payne match, I think is it's about. The right it's, it's the perfect Max. It's the best Max Payne match you're probably gonna see. I haven't seen every Max Payne match, but I have no complaints about this one. It has an angle that's done well and it's well worked and quick. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right, fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. So what are some of the best moments of this show? Hmm. Flipping senton is up there for me. <laughs> I, I really love that. Regal senton? Yeah, the regals, regal senton. Um, the, like, that big ticket last match, I think, is legitimately done perfectly for a non-pay-per-view these two guys, like nobody gets, nobody gets buried. They both look incredibly strong, and uh, you still want to see them wrestle again. I think that was done really, really well. Ricky and Paul going out and having a match. Yeah, I mean that's that the best match on the show, I think, because it's Ricky and Paul. These guys are professionals. I love that. Like uh, Paul keeps his heel business for like later in the match. And he does it more out of a desperation thing as opposed to just being a straight shithead. He goes in there and, like, is competitive. It almost has a very, like, beefed up, like, amateur wrestling vibe. Where it's like, these guys fucking know what they're doing. And it's not, you know, all clotheslines. Like, these guys know how to work and they're working together. Um, yeah. Best moments. The, The steamboat. Wonderful match. The, the the finish of that plus the the belt thing like you said it's like oh you guys yeah. y'all like Ricky you we remember, remember all this Ricky stuff I'm always happy to see my Hollywood blondes especially if this is kind of the, the beginning love to of see their my end. Art Anderson with a belt <laughs> yeah uh, I mean you throw Bear Daddy Arn out there I'm I'm always happy to so yeah I mean I think that the least interesting match on the show has two of the biggest stars yes so that it could be made somewhat interesting or at least get people's attention yeah i mean all it is is like try to put sting over more party because i don't even think rick enters the ring no he he never gets tagged in yeah yeah it's like sting just clears the house to to sell their match for that following yeah and for sting to be like i respect this man it's like okay well i I guess we're gonna Put over a Sting and Flare match. 
I don't know. I mean, they're both faces at this point. Yeah, so it, but it made sense. I, yeah, yeah, it was I, fi- it was I fine. Didn't it by no, no, like it, like I said, it pushed. It was the things, right amount of time. Yes, it pushed things forward. Like I said, I think this is what class should do. So it should be an event that brings in viewers and should wet their whistle for potentially giving them money for a pay per view. And I think that that this show did that incredibly, with the exception of Shockmaster, which I think that you know somebody could easily see. If they were tuning in and not and be like, okay, well, this sucks and like, but you know, in hindsight, you take that out of here, and I think this is a one of the most solid clashes. How about most disappointing? I think uh, the Kongs reprint on the show, but they served a purpose. The Disney tapings. Yes. That we had to have not a of healthy Hollywood blondes. Final tag team. Final defense. tag team match. Lose the belts, yeah. Instead and be able to hold instead of now that hold, I know holding it off until they're both healthy and they could just they could lose it as an actual team. Yeah. Now that I know it's their last match or whatever, now I'm disappointed. But beforehand, I didn't know that was the case. Yeah. So I'm just that's a bummer way to go out. Absolutely. Yeah, I didn't remember it being their their last. So that might be that might be you know part of my most surprising too. Yeah. I mean, William was great here. <laughs> But like you said, why didn't William have his original match when you put Bobby Eaton over here? There's no way in hell Steve Austin and Bobby Eaton can't work together well. Exactly. <laughs> they probably work together better than uh, than Regal. Basically, they're saying Paul Roma is better than Steven Regal, but is he better than Bobby Eaton? I don't know. I don't think so. But, the, the, but then if you think about it, Regal versus two Colt Scorpio, that's a clash in styles completely and... We saw the senton. How, 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 how would that have worked out? I don't know. Who knows? I mean, well, I'm not. I'm not opposed to seeing it. But I would like to Riedel see it. Can have a a great match with the mop. So that's true. But when you put it on paper, what if, it's what like, if you whoa? Yeah. What if you put the mop on a spring? <laughs> then what happens? True. Either way, I'm down to see it. Then you get Sir William involved, and mm-hmm. yeah, he. Wax old Scorpio on the back with the umbrella. There you go. I'm not gonna lie. I'm setting aside the Max Max Payne bad match and the Sting Flair Colossal King Kong's match because they were the right amount for what they were. Yes. I like those. Matches. I'm, I'm, I like them for what they are. I'm not even concerned yeah. about those matches. But the the Road War- I love the Road Warriors coming back, but the match itself. With guys like Rick Rude and Dustin Rhodes. Oh yeah, not the best use that of Dustin. That is not a good match. No, no. no. It is, and it, the thing is, like, why do you need a doing, mystery partner to go against? Yeah, doing the that Eliza. angle is. Exactly. Yeah, doing that <laughs> angle essentially is takes away the chances of that being a good match. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like okay, it takes away the excuse for them to try to have a good match to waste their energy on it because, like, what does it really matter? So I get that, but yeah, it's like. Rick Rude and yeah, yeah, but it keeps yeah. Rick Rude and Dustin like on opposite sides of the same ring. I mean, so there's that. in the ring at the same time. Really? I don't think so. I don't remember Rick Rude doing anything. I think I mean Dustin basically did the Doomsday Device and then he did the hot tag. Yeah. And and then Hawk like didn't Hawk yelled li- bullshit and stuff. And Hawk like didn't listen to the ref at all and just kept doing stuff. And then he and he botched a couple couple things. Yeah. So. I mean, I love I love Road Warrior Hawk, but this was not a good showing for him. No, no, this was just this was it. Like I said, it pushed things forward. It got a big pop, 
it was the right amount of time. So that's why this whole show is, is solid because even the stuff that's not great at least makes sense. How about best performer of the night? That's tough because any show that Ricky Steamboat is on, it's pretty hard not to say Steamboat. <laughs> I <laughs> almost like, have to give it to Ricky. Yeah, it's like Steamboat uh, and Orndorff, you know, strap the strap that belt around their combined waist because. <laughs> and see, I've got one of my off the wall oddball ones again. Cause, All right. You know, what do you got? I I look for or I try and remember the thing that stood out to me the most and the thing that I couldn't take my eyes off of. So the best performer to the, to me on this show was. Brian Pillman Sandal. Oh my god! <laughs> I guess if it's like the thing that I kept thinking about, it's the it's really Regal Sentong. But the sandal definitely is is a nominee because the sandal cracked my shit up. Yeah, I don't know. There's just something that makes you smile about seeing Brian Pillman with it almost barefoot. How about most surprising? Road Warriors. Michael Buffer. Oh yeah, but yeah, old Buff. Like I was not expecting Buffer this this early. I'm going for Harlem Heat because I totally oh yeah I, to, I totally oh, I forgot, forgot about yeah. Harlem Heat. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, they didn't do anything. They just stood there. But it was no, just I knew at it. Him, like, I was yeah. like, oh my god, I forgot how young. It's cool they how looked. they come out like fully formed with like the matching gear and the look. Like so, sometimes it takes. Do you like, remember what their team. names were though at this point? No, because it's not Stevie Ray and Booker T. I don't know. It was Cole and Kane. Hmm, those, those names suck. Yeah, they do. <laughs> so did they become Booker T and Stevie Ray? When yeah, they just changed their name. Sherry comes along. Yeah, or? they change okay. their name when Sherry comes along and joins them. Oh, that's gonna be fun. Yeah. Anything else surprising? Do we miss anything else? Um, that I didn't hate the like, show. That this was the Shockmaster thing. For some reason, I thought the Shockmaster thing was on like, you know, thirty-minute like weekly show. I didn't realize that it was on a bigger thing. Like Clash is basically are in your house before in your house where yeah. it's like this is some clashes are better than some pay-per-views we watch like it's legitimately like a almost pay-per-view quality show every time at least the way that it's like built up and the amount of money they put into it and all that stuff like it's it's typically a spectacle and there were no legends from 40 years ago that were yeah clash. <laughs> remember when clash 20 was great and then they did that starcade thing and it sucked Slamboree. Slamboree, sorry. I was like, it's hard. They've, do you remember many Starcades that yeah, didn't have suckage? They've tried <laughs> they've tried so many different gimmicks with Starcade. It's like just let it be a show where all everything gets resolved. Making their way to the ring. It's trivia time. Oh god. This week the category is Music of the Mat. of the mat music of the mat so I'm gonna play a song (laughs) and the first person to buzz in with the name of the wrestler whose theme I am playing gets three points alright so we're gonna do our ants yes oh man this has gotta be some Shane the fabulous Rougeau brothers that is correct beautiful beautiful we got some all-American boys. Yeah. I don't. Why wouldn't have got it even with the vocals? Good on you, brother. Uh, and I, I'm a Rougeau fan. You can go back and listen. I, I like the Rougeaus a lot. 
But I, my first thought was like, this has got to be some like uh, WCW like early piped in stuff. But the song started to get I was going. It was like a version of Orient Express or something like that. Oh yeah. So I had to wait until some sort of a note change. Uh, good guess, man. You, I would have never sudden, guessed it. Not without hearing the whole song. Maybe they say something. Jacques and Ray were singing in both ears all of a sudden. So Shane with those three points. Uh oh. He's winning. I know he's winning. It's now Shane twenty three. Oh my god. Michael (sighs) sixteen. Got a ways to go, sir. I'm a full touchdown ahead of you. I get it. With the extra point. Mm -hmm. Next week, ECW Hardcore TV. From August 24th, 1993. That's the day after my 16th birthday. Ooh. Did you watch this? No, because I didn't really watch ECW back then. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's not that time yet. Music for this week's show is Driver's Death. That was the theme from Clash of the Champions. And Vader won our main event, so we're going to play his theme, Afro Rock by Heavy Business. Such a weird name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't come up with the It time. should be the ginger shuffle. Exactly. <laughs> if you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there and rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcast at. Leave us, as Michael says, five stars or no stars. And if you want to email us with any comments, questions, concerns, or recipes, because Shane's always looking for some help in that area. Oh, and we're going to Philadelphia next time, so uh, give me some Philly recipes because they're starting to become as difficult as Georgia. And you can always do that at WrestlingHistoryX at gmail.com, or you can even do it on Twitter, where we're always tweeting away about something or other. Something. At wrestling, wrestling. Typically wrestling. I mean, typically wrestling. Sometimes food, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. At WrestlingHistoX. That's Wrestling H I S T O X. We'll talk to you next week.